Then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wives, give us, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up, uh, open up to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. It will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to one two, uh, to another two, and another one, and, uh, and each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he had received the five talents came uh, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you up over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received interest that was my own. Uh, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations, and he will separate one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will come and say to those that is right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick and are in prison and come and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, 
as you did it to the one brother, you did it to me. Then he will say to those who are on his left, apart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, the Lord, when did we see you? A stranger, naked or sick and, or in prison and did not minister to you. And he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, into eternal life. Father, we bow before you this morning. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that uh, you are shaping our hearts. And we would ask that you would shape our hearts this morning. Keep shaping our hearts this morning by this text. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. Over the last uh, few weeks, uh, I've been preparing for a uh, kind of backpacking slash fishing, more fishing than backpacking trip with my brother. He's going to come out later this week and do some backcountry uh, uh, fishing, but in order to do that, uh, um, uh, you have to spend a, really a great deal of time preparing yourself for a trip like this. It's one of those things where you just can't go out into the backcountry uh, at a whim for an extended amount of time and, and not be prepared. You know, I, I grew up, again, I grew up in this area, I grew up fishing Arkabutla and Sardis and Enid and Grenada and Pickwick and, and, and gosh, the, the entire chain of lakes as well. Uh, it's just, there, there was so much fishing we did, but the, the, the fishing that I do now, it, it, it's, it's, it's very different. And so you, you can see that I'm not fishing uh, uh, vast lakes or vast bodies of water now. I'm fishing under mountains. And this is, this is really under that mountain uh, uh, right here on the left is where we're going to be fishing. There's a lake tucked back in there, and, uh, and we'll go back there and we'll, we'll fish. It's a, it's a good seventh hike in and uh, up and down. You're climbing in elevation, and it really doesn't matter how good a shape you're in because you're, you're working through altitude, and there's a, so little oxygen, and, 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 but it's, and you, you see these, these vast prairies, and uh, you, you see this landscape, these vast rivers, the lake. I mean, it, it's, it's probably, in my opinion, it's, it's one of the most beautiful places uh, to, to, to get out uh, and, and enjoy uh, God's creation. But, again, it takes a significant amount of preparation. And so, if you look on my workbench in my basement, there it is. And, uh, that, that, that workbench is about, uh, just to give you a, a reference, it's at least 10, probably 10 feet long. And, and I've got my pack, I don't I've got my, I've got my pack, I've got two poles, two, I'm sorry, two fly rods, a spinning reel, I've got my MREs, about 14 of those, because I'm not as good of a fisherman as my brother. I may have to lean on him for food, but I don't want to get back there and not have food. Um, of course, my coffee, uh, my jet boil, uh, my sleeping pad. I, I do like a little comfort. I have a, a buddy of mine that backpacked with me uh, several weeks ago, and he heard me blowing up my my mat, uh, my, uh, my sleeping pad in my tent, and uh, he said, "What do you have in there? A uh, a, a water bed? I mean, because I, I, I do. I enjoy a little bit of comfort uh, when when I'm in the backcountry. But if you if you can see, uh, just to be quite honest with you, you know, I've been joking with my brother over the past few days." 
I, I don't really know how I'm going to get all of that four days' worth of stuff in my pack. But it's all necessary. Well, maybe not the hammock. But, uh, but it's there. I mean, look, there's my hammock. So, um, uh, but, again, I have been spending weeks getting ready for, for this trip. I mean, I'm excited about it. I, can't, I mean, I enjoy this trip. I mean, I, I, this is in the same area where I hunt. And in all my preparation and the, all the laying out of my stuff to make sure that I have what I need, the Lord just whispered into my heart and asked me a question. Why don't you prepare for eternity the way that you prepare for trips like this? Weighty question. In so many ways, the text we're going to look at this morning is Jesus continuing to ask me that question, to ask you that question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can you say that you are ready, period? In, in this passage, it goes actually goes all the way back to Matthew 24. And what the disciples were doing, they, they kind of pinned Jesus down and, and asked him uh, really a key question uh, in Matthew 24. He basically said, tell us, uh, when these things will be, meaning that, that when will the age come, this, this age come to an end? Uh, when will this be? What will be the sign of your coming at the close of the age? And he begins answering this question for them. And so what I want to do, again, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at uh, a, a very high level. I'm not going to go verse by verse. That would take me forever. Uh, uh, but I do want to look at a very high level and looking at this question of whether or not we're ready, whether or not we're prepared. Uh, I want you to know, anytime I teach and I preach, I'm usually teaching or preaching something the Lord is currently working in my own heart. And this has been a one-year process, and I am still in the furnace on this on this one. Um, but I want you, I want to be clear before I get into the text, I want you to see this through an appropriate lens here. I, I, I want you to understand this entire passage through what James wrote in James chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. Say that with me. Faith without works is dead. Now, that is appropriate. If we interpret Scripture with Scripture, that is the appropriate lens to interpret this through because in a lot of ways Jesus is unpacking that just a little bit further than James did. Uh, it, it's important because our faith should lead us to service. There, there's a great deal of accountability in this text. And there's a great deal of... Uh, uh, productivity in this text. Uh, there's a great deal of readiness. And so, if you've got your notes in your in your worship guide, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to look at it in uh, three different sections this morning. I'm going to show you three observations that I see in this text. I'm going to give you three questions to take home with you. Just keep asking yourself. I think questions 
are one of the best ways uh, to do some self-reflection in, in, in our walk with Christ. I, uh, instead of making statements, I'd like to ask questions and um, uh, let the Holy Spirit and His Word um, disciple my heart. And after the three questions, I'm going to give you four uh, additional practical applications to make sure every single day you're working on your readiness for eternity. Sound good? All right, let's go. So three observations uh, here in this text. First observation, uh, Christ, <coughs> excuse me, Christ's return will be unexpected. <coughs> Christ's return will be unexpected. If you look at the end of uh, the story of the ten virgins, uh, verses 1 through 13, uh, basically Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Going back to chapter 24, in verse 43, uh, it talks about the thief. If the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. Uh, verse, uh, go down to verse 50. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour that he does not know. And so when you think about Christ coming, Christ will come in an unexpected time. Now, the reality is, is that because of that, because of that, Jesus is telling his disciples, you've got to watch for this. You've got to watch for this, verse 13. Watch, therefore, because you know neither the day or the hour. Not only is Christ's return unexpected, Christ's return will be followed by crisis. I've got that uh, crisis in the, uh, in the, uh, in the blank, uh, but I want to I give you another word. Christ's return will be disruptive. Uh, Christ's return will be disruptive. As I continue to study this text uh, uh, throughout the week, I, I decided not to use the word crisis, but disruptive, because, uh, be, because what is taking place here, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that everybody's, when, when this happens, we are going to be living our lives just like you do day in and day out. We have our routines. We get up, we go to work. We come home, we eat, we may go play sports, whatever may happen. But you and I all, we have some sort of routine. Well, Jesus identifies that routine in chapter 24, verse, verse 38, when he says, For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. I mean, basically, Jesus is identifying that there was this massive routine that was taking place. And it was during this routine this routine, this daily living, that the flood came. And they were unaware until the flood came, and it swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Same thing with the ten virgins. With the ten virgins, I mean, you, you had the wise, and you had the foolish. But the foolish, they didn't, they didn't take any oil with them. They, they really, in a lot of ways, they weren't prepared. They, they were dis, it, was, it was disruptive in the sense they got up, and they heard that the bridegroom was coming, but they weren't ready. If you look at the talents, uh, same thing with the talents in verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Again, it was disruptive. It was, you know, these guys, these servants were working and working and doing what they needed to do. But after a long time, all of a sudden, the master came back. Very similar in verse 31. And when the Son of Man comes in his glory, with all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne again. Disrupted. It, it will, things as you know it, when this happens, it will, things, will, things will be very different. It will disrupt your daily, daily routine. 
I also want to see the, the, the third observation I want you to see in this text is that there will be many who will be surprised by his judgment. There will be many who will be surprised by his judgment. Think about the foolish, the, those, the, the five who were foolish. They came and they, they, they tried to, they, they, they tried to uh, uh, lean up to their friends and say, hey, let me have some of your oil. And the wives were like, no, I only got enough for me and I, I'm not giving you mine. Uh, and and they, they, they went to go buy their own. Again, Jesus is telling the telling story to, to illustrate a point. And, and by the time they came, came back, uh, by the time they came back, it was too late. It, 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 was, it was too late. And the surprise to the, to the five foolish virgins was that they, they said, Lord, Lord, open to us. The surprise came in their reply. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. The surprise and uh, the surprise of the uh, of the judgment. Uh, I, I think actually there were two surprises with, with the with the parable of the talents. I, I think those those individuals when they uh, when they were surprised and saw the master. I think there was a good surprise. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like good surprises. I don't like bad surprises. Uh, I don't like things to catch me off guard. I like good things that happen. And with the five and the two. Uh, the, the ones that had the five talents and the two talents, there was a good surprise that took place. But with the, the, the one who had the one talent, I doubt, I seriously doubt he expected uh, uh, the, 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 the master's response to be, you wicked and you slothful servant. And you, and you, and you look at the, uh, at the end of this chapter and, and, you see, and you see the response, the surprise uh, of the response and the way that, uh, the, the, listen to this, the way that, Way that the master, the king, the king basically said, "Hey, you come in, uh, you come into my kingdom that was prepared for you before the foundation of the world, and and why you should come in, don't miss, do do not miss this here, and what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. Uh, you you may assume an answer here, but look at the what Jesus was teaching his disciples here." The answer that they got to come into the kingdom was that, for I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. That right there, listen to me, that is not a social gospel. That is a gospel that is a gospel that reflects a changed heart. Somebody that has been born again, John chapter 3, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's why I was refer- I, it's so important for me to reference uh, James chapter 2 at the beginning of this message because faith without works is dead. If you do not have works, then you don't have faith, James tells us. And, and so in, in my margin of my Bible, uh, I, I wrote this, Those who belong to the Father display the Father's compassion and His characteristics. And all of that, listen, all of that comes from a changed heart. It's something that God did Ephesians, that it's a work of grace in your life. And because of that work of grace and because of the putting on of the new man and the taking off of the old man, the putting on the new man reflects the Father's compassion. It reflects the Father, the new heart reflects the Father's characteristics. And so there was a great surprise even for those whose hearts weren't changed in the latter half of, this, of, of, that, of, that, of that passage. And so you have your three observations uh, that, that Christ's return will be unexpected, that it will, uh, that it will be disruptive, and there, there will be many surprised by his judgment. Which leads me, and here's what I want you to do. I want you, we're going to work, work through three questions and these four applications together because I want you to walk away from here, and I want you to ask, uh, ask yourself these, these questions as you go throughout your life, 
even today in your just evaluation of, of your walk with Christ, the first question here, the first question is that, am I regularly, daily, looking for Christ's return? Am I regularly, daily, looking for Christ's return? This was Jesus' point at the end of the uh, of his parable with the with the ten virgins when he looks at his disciples and says, "Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour." I constantly, I have to. Um, my wife laughs at me. Um, I can't keep it all up here. I have to. I have to keep it all right here, or I forget. Or I forget. So my calendar, my, my calendar is full of everything that I am anticipating, everything that I am looking forward to, everything that uh, that I need to that I that I need to make sure is on my radar, make, everything that I need to to respond to, and, and, and the reality is is that while I may live day in and day out by my calendar, I'm not sure I do a very good job. I'm just I'll tell you this is just an. Lord is working on me right now. I don't do, it's not, I'm not sure, I am sure. I don't do a very good job of watching regularly and daily for the return of Christ. If you, again, if you love, if you love someone and you're separated by them, you, you look, you, in, you eagerly anticipate their return. I mean, it goes even, I can tell you that just practically speaking, I know I was looking forward to coming here, and it's not to preach, but actually to be able to hang out with my parents and hang out with my brother and my family. Because I care for them, I anticipated that. And I'm sure it was reciprocal. I hope it was reciprocal. I'm just kidding, I know it was. But I want you to think about that in context with a changed heart and a heart that loves the Lord. So we, when we sing that, when we sing that on Sunday, do you, do you, the question I was thinking to myself, Lord, why don't I sing that song other than on Sundays? Am I, am I, am I looking so much for His return? Am I regularly, daily looking for Christ's return in such a way that my love for him is being expressed, and I am just like John in the book of Revelation said, God, Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come now. Come. So not only uh, that, that's the first question, the second question that I would, that I would look to and uh, uh, continue to ask myself is that, I, am I serving in such a way that shows I know Christ intimately? Am I serving in such a way that shows I know Christ intimately? This is, listen, this whole relationship portion is so clear in the parable of the talents. Because there are two individuals that clearly are serving the master outside, uh, from, not outside, from deeply rooted in a heart that was reflective of their love for him. And so it really, uh, really in the language of the New Testament, you, you begin to see these two individuals, the one with the five and the one with the two, there is there's joy. There is joy in what they're bringing to their master. But there's respect here. 
I don't want you to miss their, their joy and, 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 and the fact that they, they are bringing their, their talents. And, and please don't get hung up on just financial. Our talents are so much more than financial. It is your time. It is your talents. It is, it is every, everything that you holistically, spiritually can offer to the Lord. And, and so they're bringing the one with the five and the one with the three. They're saying, Master, look, 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 what I, look what I have for you. Woo! I mean, I am, I am, look, I mean, it really, don't, don't miss that there is this level of excitement that they're bringing something back to the master that is, that is so, uh, that they're so grateful for. And, and don't, don't miss the, the celebratory response of the master so many times. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I, am, I have to be careful. I have to be careful about when I read the scriptures and, and just not reading it in a monotone way. Sometimes, I mean, I'll just say this, in this response, in, in this response, the master is not saying, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful? Answer, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you over, over, you've been faithful a little, I'm going to make you over much, enter into the joy of the master. That is not, that is not what, is here in this text. So you have joy in the servants. You have joy in the master. And all of this is rooted in a deep relationship to him because the master, the master knows his servants and, 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 and they're able to go back and he's able to go back and say, well done! I mean, that's a spiritual high five if I've ever seen one. Good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little, and I will put you over much. Enter. Come in. Hey, I want you in here. Come on and enter into this joy. The joy. All this that I have for you is this, it's my joy. One of my favorite things, listen to me, one of my favorite things as a parent is doing something for my son. And I do that out of joy. I love giving gifts. I, I love doing stuff for him. I want, I, I, want to, I want him to experience my joy when I do something for him. And it's the same picture here that Jesus is wanting, wanting you and wanting me to experience his joy. And what he's prepared for us in eternity. contrast here in this passage is it's not rocket science. You have one guy comes to the master and he says, Master, I need you to be a hard man. For those of us who are in Christ and know Christ, we know when we read that, we know that that is not true. God is not a hard man. God is not one who reaps what he does not sow. Gathering where he scatters no seed. The hardness of this of this servant's heart is serves as a warning to us and, and showing showing the contrast of those who, who truly know the Lord and those who do not know the Lord at all. The two, the five and the two, they knew the Lord. They, they, they knew him, they knew his joy, and they're excited to bring their talents to him. The one the, the one here, he was hard-hearted. He had let what uh, we, we see in the Old Testament in Hebrews chapter 12. We have, we, we, 
we, we, we see a root of bitterness that had taken hold, uh, taken hold of his life. And he had extremely distorted his understanding of who the Father is. Am I regularly, daily, looking for Christ's return? Am I serving in such a way that shows I know Christ intimately? Third question. Third question is, am I concerned? Am I concerned for those in need and responding to their need? Am I concerned? And I put both of those in. Because it's you can be concerned and actually not respond. Do you act on your concern? This is, this is what Jesus was again highlighting. A changed heart that those individuals who were entering into the kingdom, their, their, their changed heart was reflected by the way that they responded to others. That is the great commandment. Love God, love others. You cannot separate them. They're, they're, they, they go hand in hand. If you love God, you will love others. If you do not love God, you will not love others. It's just as simple as that. And, and so when you look at this question and you ask yourself, am I concerned? But not only am I concerned, am I responding to their need? Concern for those who have need and responding to those who have need. This, if you go back, I, I don't have time, but if I, if I were to go back and give you a breath of Matthew, there are multiple ways where you see the concern of Jesus. Now you see it, jot this down. You, you can go back and, and read John 13, 35 later, but let me, let me at least read to you 1 John 3, 16 and 17. 1 John 3, 16 and 17. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does love, God's love abide in him? It doesn't, is the answer. Little children. I love how John talks to the church. Little children. My kids. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This is what James is talking about in James chapter 2 when he says faith without works is dead. This is what, what he's trying to me to understand his heart. If you go back and you look at the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 15, you see ultimately, you see a compassionate Christ who is looking among the crowds and having compassion on If you read the entirety of the book of Matthew, Jesus is constantly responding to the crowds and to the people in, in compassion. Have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me three days and have, have nothing, nothing to eat. I, I, I want to be, be so clear here. I'm sorry, I know I'm being repetitious, but I, I, this is something the Lord continues to just drill into my heart. I have to meet the needs of others. Now, 
in this passage, I didn't get to go here <clears throat> in the first service. Uh, I've got to, ooh, I've got to hurry up. Uh, um, I didn't get to go here in the first service, but long story short, this passage addresses the brothers. And there is a critical identification that Christ has with his church. That he has with you and with me. And so when you look at this, and you look at his brothers and sisters that are in this passage at the end of chapter 25, he is, he is addressing those who are within the body of Christ. But that does not, listen to me, that does not negate your response and my response to those who are even outside the church. Go to Galatians 6.10. Paul makes it clear for us that we are to respond to those who are in need, especially those within the church. It's a both and, not an either or. Make sense? All right. <clears throat> let me hit our four applications and let me be done. Losing my voice in that. Four applications. I'm running, running real fast here. Four applications. The first thing, literally, I want you to do, encourage you to do, is to run with endurance. Jude, uh, right next to Revelation, go back and, 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 and mark this for a future reference. Uh, Jude was writing to those who were, uh, he was writing to the church, who was dealing with false teachers, those who were dealing with false, uh, false teachings within the church. And in verse 17, he begins to issue this call to persevere. But you must remember, beloved, <clears throat> the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up. Listen to the action statement. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Why do you want to keep yourselves in the love of God? Because if you keep yourselves in the love of God, guess what? You'll respond in love to others. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Be patient for its coming. It's going to happen. Wait on it. Wait on that mercy that will come. And in that time, verse 22, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Let me just encourage you. Have gospel conversations with people. Point them to the truth. But do it with mercy and love and compassion. Snatch them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Number two, make the right investments. I will not go here and spend a lot of time, but go back and, and read Jesus' response to worldly possessions and how He instructs us to make the right investments of storing, of storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven versus storing up treasures on, on the earth. It is... We, we, we listen, in, in our Western society, we store up way too much on this earth. And I will be the first one in line to say, I'm guilty of that. And I'm working. I mean, how, I, I, I've got to store up treasure in heaven. I've got to stop laying up treasure on this earth. Number three, reflect Christ's heart. Reflect Christ's heart for the poor. Psalm chapter 12, verse 5. Listen to the heart of God for the poor. <clears throat> because, because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place them in the safety for which he longs. God loves those who are in need, and he will arise on their behalf. And I want to encourage you, 
you and I. We have to arise on behalf of the Lord for those who are being plundered, those who are in need, those who are the poor, and help and work with the Lord. Let His hands be our hands and bring them into the safety for which they long. It could be, I mean, it, it could be something simple and it could be something so, uh, so long term. You have to ask the Lord, how do I fulfill that? And then number four, and I end here. <clears throat> number four, remember. <clears throat> number four, remember this world. This world is not your home. If you are a believer in Christ, this world is not your home as much as you try, as much as you try to make it. This world is not your home. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. These all died in the faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them from afar and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. You acknowledge that you are, if you are a believer in Christ, you and I, we are strangers. We are aliens. We are exiles on this earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they, they desire a better, a better country. That is a, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. And for you and for me, we have to work so hard in realizing day in and day out that this home, wherever you live, wherever you think that you're putting roots down, this is not your home. You have a home. You, you, have, you have an eternal city. And so that perspective, if you, if you lead your life with that perspective, if you lead your life in such a way that reflects that you have a homeland in eternity, the things of this world will not matter too much to you. You will give more. You will give more of your time. You will give more of your talents. You will give more of your treasures because it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the greater scheme of things because at the end of the day, we are, this is, this is a blimp on the radar here. This, this is, uh, this is a, this is such a small, this life is such a small element of time compared to what you and I will spend in eternity. So, at the end of the day, are you ready? Are you ready? And are you continuing to make sure that you have you have the focus that watching, therefore, watching for Christ coming again, laying up for yourselves treasure 